The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 15. Glory be to you, O Lord. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus to hear him. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He told them this parable. Which one of you, if you had 100 sheep and lost one of them, would not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls together his friends and his neighbors, telling them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, would not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, because I have found the lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. What is the most precious thing, the most valuable thing, that you have ever lost? Gentlemen, have you ever reached back for your wallet and found nothing back there but a flat pocket? Ladies, have you ever reached around your chair where your purse was hanging a minute earlier to find nothing back there but air? That is a sinking feeling, and your life stops. You start looking for that wallet, you look for that purse until you find it, and these days it's not even so much about the money in there, right? Most people don't walk around with a big wad of cash anymore, but it's the license, the credit cards, your major hassle until you find that wallet or purse. Or have you ever been working really hard on an electronic document? And you're really focused and you're concentrating and you're zeroed in so much so that you forget to follow that wise advice to save your work often. And all of a sudden out of nowhere comes the screen of death. And when that computer restarts, if it ever does restart, you're going to look everywhere you can find to try to get that work back because you put a lot of work into it. And I'm not even going to get into the topic of like losing track of a child at the grocery store or the fairgrounds because... I don't want to risk like experiencing a traumatic flashback and breaking down and weeping. So just suffice it to say, you will never search for anything in your life like a lost child or a lost parent. Right? When you lose something valuable, you search for it. And how hard, how carefully, how long you search for it correlates to the value of that thing. The more valuable the thing is, the longer and harder and more carefully you search for it. And you search for it until you find it. Now, the religious leaders in Israel, the Pharisees and the experts in the law, when they look at the people that Jesus is welcoming and eating with, they see people with no value, people who deserve no respect. They look at those people and see nothing but thieving tax collectors, people like that, people who deserve no respect. And so, by extension, you know, no respectable rabbi, no respectable religious teacher should be spending time with people like that. So they have no respect. They see no value in the people that Jesus associates with. 
So they see no value in Jesus or his teachings either. Jesus, on the other hand, when he looks at these tax collectors and these other notorious sinners, he not only sees value, he sees what God cherishes more than anything else in all creation. He sees people. He sees human beings. And the fact that human beings are more important, more precious to God than anything else he made, that's very easy to see from word go in the Bible. Because when God creates the universe, he makes everything with just the power of his word. And of course, everything God makes is perfect, and his whole creation is important to him. He values all of it. He blesses everything he made. But when it comes time to create the first human beings, then God slows down. And he shows very special, intentional care. He handcrafts them and breathes into them God's own breath of life. And when he does that, God gives them a soul, and he shows they are the crown, the most important part of his creation. And God doesn't stop there. He even creates those first human beings in God's own image. He gives them an intellect and a reason and a will that is far superior to all of the other creatures that he made. And as long as they stay out of sin, they also have the desire to use that image of God perfectly in his service. Of course, eventually, Adam and Eve do cave in to sin and temptation. But when that happens, God shows again how valuable human beings are to him. Because, of course, God has every right to just stand back and watch them perish in eternal condemnation. But they are simply too valuable to him to allow that to happen. So right away, he steps in, comes to the rescue, and gives them hope by promising them a Savior. And then down through the centuries of the Old Testament, God keeps showing how much he loves people, how precious they are to him. Because as the centuries go on, he keeps revealing a little bit more and more about who this Savior will be and what he will do. And one of the things God reveals about this coming Savior is that he's coming for everybody. He's not just coming for God's chosen people, for his own nation of Israel, but he is coming to save every human being in this world, including you and me. And then when the Savior finally arrives, he shows just how serious God was about these promises because he does everything that God had promised. He comes and lives a holy life, not just for some people, but for every person in this world. And he dies on the cross to wash away the stain and punishment of the sin of the entire human race. And then, again, the Holy Spirit sends that message of Jesus' salvation out to every little nook in this world so that everyone will hear the salvation that God has sent in his Son. This is how much God cherishes and values human beings. So much that he promised, achieved, and proclaimed salvation for every single one of them. All this is kind of a long way of saying that when Jesus looks at those tax collectors and other sinners, he doesn't see no value. Jesus and the Father are one. They are the same God. So when Jesus looks at people, he sees them the same way the Father does. He sees what is cherished more than anything else. He sees people. And in this case, 
Even more than that, Jesus sees people who are lost. And of course, the more valuable something is when it is lost, the harder, the longer, the more carefully you will search for it. So Jesus wants to make this point. He wants to get it across to these religious leaders. And he does it by telling two similar stories that have the same main basic point. The first one is of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he loses just one percent. One sheep of his flock. And that's a very small percentage. He still has a very healthy flock to look after, but that's not the point. The entire purpose of a shepherd's existence is to care for his sheep. They are more valuable to him than anything else. So when even one of them goes missing, even if it's just one out of a hundred, he searches and he doesn't give up until he finds it. Take it back home on his shoulders. Now the second story Jesus tells makes the same basic point. In this one, a woman has 10 coins, which by the way are worth about $200 in today's terms. Now you would hope this woman doesn't live for coins the way a shepherd lives for sheep, but in this case she only has 10. If you lose 10% of your liquid assets, that's a lot. So this one coin is extremely valuable to her, and she is going to search for it diligently, lighting a lamp, sweeping her home, and not giving up until she finds it. Because when something is important to you, and it's lost, you search for it until you find it. And that's what Jesus does with people who are lost. He searches with care. He searches with patience. And there is one detail at the end of these stories that Jesus uses to try to get this point across one more time to the religious leaders. When the shepherd finds his lost sheep that is so precious to him, he throws a little party with his buddy shepherds. And the woman who finds the lost coin, when she finds it, she calls her neighbors and she celebrates. And Jesus says, the same thing happens in heaven whenever someone who is lost is found. There is a heavenly party, a heavenly celebration, because that is how much each one who is lost and then found means to God. But then the question is, how exactly does Jesus find someone who is lost? How does that work? Well, in both of those stories, Jesus uses a very key word, which is repent. When that happens, Jesus finds someone who is lost. A person who repents sees that they are sinful and that they need to be forgiven. And then they turn to Jesus, their Savior, for the forgiveness, their sins that he won and that they need. When that happens, repentance, a person who is lost is found. The Heavenly Father gets what he cherishes the most, which is another person for his heavenly kingdom, and heaven celebrates. There's heavenly joy every time it happens. Now, when Jesus was walking on this earth, he conducted these searches in person. That's why he is welcoming and eating with tax collectors and other sinners. There's a popular misconception here. Sometimes these stories get twisted and abused to say, well, Jesus ate with these people because they were just fine the way they were. Jesus was saying they had no, he had no issue with the way that, no, no, just read the story. Jesus says that they were lost. Jesus is spending time with them because he's searching for them. He wants them to see their sin and turn to him for forgiveness so that they will be found. 
heaven will celebrate. Now, when Jesus was walking on this earth, he carried out these searches in person. Of course, Jesus is not walking on this earth anymore. And even before he ascended, right, Jesus sent out 72 missionaries to carry out the search on his behalf to all the towns and villages of Israel. And just before he ascended, he sent out his disciples, told them to teach everyone in the world and to baptize, to turn hearts to him so that more people would be found and heaven would rejoice. But that command is not just for 72 missionaries in Israel or 11 disciples that were with Jesus on the mount. We are his search party. Jesus uses those he has already found to search for the lost and tell them about his love so they will turn to him in faith. And it's important for us to understand that because, you know, it happens very rarely. It does happen occasionally, but it's very rare that someone who does not believe in Jesus will say, hmm, there's a Bible. You know, I, I should really give that a read. And then they pick it up, just on a whim, all on their own. They pick it up and they start reading and say, oh, look at that, I'm in trouble. I'm sinful and God is holy. I'm in big, oh, wait. And, oh, that's good news. My sins are forgiven and I have the gift of heaven. That happens very rarely that somebody just does that on their own. Almost always, it is someone who has been found who takes that message of Jesus' love to the person. You know, parents bring their child to the font to be baptized. The Holy Spirit plants Jesus' love in that little child's heart. Or a roommate or a boyfriend speaks up about the love of Christ to someone who is lost. They turn to Christ and are found. We are Jesus' search party. So, it's a good idea for us to stop and to thank God and to appreciate the successes and the improvements that he has given us in our search for the lost. Uh, for example, every year, this congregation carves off a pretty healthy chunk of her total offerings to pay for missionaries and to train future pastors and teachers who will proclaim Christ's love in future generations. That is a wonderful thing. And we should thank God for that because he gives us our resources and he gives us generosity to give them for that purpose. Another example, over the past few years, this congregation, this group of Christians, has improved a great deal in trying to build relationships and friendships with the people around us so that we can bring them into contact with Jesus' love. We've gotten a lot better at that, and God is the one who works all good in us, so it's good for us to thank him for that improvement. And I'm sure that a lot of us could share kind of individual success stories. Times when we found the courage, the strength to speak up to somebody with the message of, of human sin and divine grace. Now, whether or not they believe, that wasn't your business. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But you did your part, which was to speak about the love of Christ. And we should thank God for that, too, because he's the one who works in us and gives us that strength and that courage. So it's good to see the, the positive work that God does through us to, to search for lost souls. It's also a good time, though, to acknowledge that our search hasn't exactly been perfect and to ask God for forgiveness where we need it. Uh, this is a story that I heard once at a conference, and uh, the presenter didn't really strike me as somebody who 
exaggerates or embellishes things, but he, he told this story. He said when he was in college, he had a coworker that he worked together with for several years, and they became very close friends. And over the course of the time that they worked together, this coworker of his made it very clear that he was not a believer in Jesus. You know, sometimes people say things that just make it very clear. He said, finally, after a couple of years, he spoke up. And he told his coworker that he believed in Jesus and how wonderful it is to know Jesus, to know that everything you've ever done wrong in your life is washed away because Jesus died for your sins, to know that you're a child of God, to have confidence of what's going to happen to you after you pass away from this world. And his friend's response was, if you really believed that I needed Jesus to get into heaven, why did you wait two years to say something? And I, sitting in the peanut gallery, I thought, serves you right. Why did you wait for two years? And then I thought, how many people could have said that to me? Except they never did, because I never said anything to them about Jesus at all. And I don't know if you're in the same boat with that at all. I suspect all of us are to some degree. Why, why don't we always search for the lost with the same eager heart as our Savior? Maybe some of it is, is just fear. Maybe in us there's a bit of that kind of pharisaical spirit that some people just aren't worth it. Some people just don't have the value. You know, if we ever think that way, we need to remember that every single one of us was totally lost in our sin. But God valued each one of us. He prized each one of us individually. He promised his son and Jesus came for us. He died on the cross for our sins. And then he searched us out individually and turned our hearts to him. He found us. And heaven celebrated for each and every one of us. And in that, we have forgiveness for our failures in our search for lost souls. And we also have the reminder to look at other people and see them with the same value that Jesus does. And to search for them with the eager heart of our Savior. Our Savior does search eagerly. He also searches with patience, with persistence. Don't give up on people. It's never too late. You know, the shepherd did not give up his search for that sheep until he found it. The woman kept looking for her coin until she found it. The more valuable something is, the longer and harder you search for it, and nothing is more valuable than a soul that Jesus died for. Search for the lost the way that your Savior searches. Remember that Jesus searched for us, turned our hearts to him, and heaven rejoiced. See other people the way Jesus does. Search the way that he searches, and may heaven rejoice again and again and again. Every time one is found. Amen.